I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, and I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything, so sit back and enjoy the show. It's hard to break through to the people that make the decisions on whether or not to produce your show if they don't have the time to read or listen to your content. But mm-hmm. now, all of these producers, and that's just not Broadway, this is, this is everywhere. In the entire industry, people have the time to find these gems that have just been sitting under the surface waiting to be read. It's going to be an amazing time, I believe, when everything comes back. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest has been a professional entertainer for more than 16 years and traveled almost all over the world. Welcome, Dane Reese, to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited because I really want to get to know about your professional entertaining career. Like, oh my God, 16 years in that business. That's crazy. You must have seen so many great cities and a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, I have been, I think, to 49 countries, 50 countries, somewhere in that vicinity. And almost all of them, I've been essentially paid to go to, which is very cool as an entertainer. I think that's one of the greatest things about this entertainment industry is that you do get the opportunity to go see the world, but more than just seeing the sites and the artwork and the architecture, it's experiencing people and getting a feel of how different cultures work and learning to be together. It's great. Yeah, I can imagine. But before we even get started about your journey, Tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Dane. And like Angelica said, I've been performing for a little bit over 16 years professionally, singing, dancing, acting, literally all around the world. I have performed in nine shows on the Las Vegas Strip. I've performed in New York City, in Canada, in Australia, in Italy, in Germany. And I've sung as a featured soloist with world-renowned symphony orchestras. I've been on TV and radio. I'm an award-winning mascot, which that was a fun little part of the career. And I also do corporate production. So I work as a corporate producer and project coordinator. And I'm also an Actors' Equity actor and stage manager. And then most recently, I launched a podcast called You Booked It where I interview successful entertainers that have that are either in the beginning of their careers all the way up to being in the career for you know decades and decades and decades who can reflect back on their entire career and they're sharing their journeys and the goal of the podcast is to discover the fundamentals of what it really does take to create a successful career in this industry and also finding some of those really cool niche golden nuggets that people just have stumbled upon or 
maybe they just only pertain to a very specific part of the industry. And we're filling that gap between training and the real world. Wow, that is fantastic. And the fact they have a podcast dedicating to how to be successful in the, in the entertainment entertainment industry is something that a lot of people are trying to find their way into it or they already are in it and they're trying to see how how can I navigate my career and how can I just you know get either the extra gigs or how do I improve how do I you know it's always the how do I do this and because you've got so many what ifs that you just want to change those and say how can I just do it yeah there are so many what ifs as a professional entertainer because our path in general is simply much less linear than say a doctor or a lawyer mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of different types of law you can practice a lot of different types of medicine you can practice but in the entertainment world people will start off thinking that they want to be a dancer for instance or maybe they start a big chunk of their career as a dancer but you can only dance professionally for so long your body eventually breaks down you're not you just can't do it anymore, right? So you have to find ways to always be evolving, always transitioning your career and figuring out where to fit in, where you can still do your art, be artistic, be fulfilled. So it's a constant journey. And that's, again, a big reason why I have the podcast and why I created it is to shed light on all of that, whether you're joining the industry straight away and you're just coming in or you're midway through and you're like, gosh, my body hurts a little bit. Um, what should I do next? I don't really feel like being an insurance salesman. So maybe what else is out there? And there's so much, whether it's makeup, whether it's production, whether it's the marketing side, there's so much or so many different roads you can take in this industry. But most people simply never get the opportunity to even know that they exist. And I've just been fortunate to have had a very diverse career where I can speak on a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm, for sure. And how did this all start for you to get into this industry? What was it that you really wanted to get into it? And how did you fall in love with it? You're talking about being an entertainer specifically? Yes. Yeah. So I'm a little bit of a different story because a lot of people that joined this industry they started off when they're little, they started dance classes at three, four years old, and then on life goes and eventually they become a professional entertainer, right? That was not my path. I am more or less your glee story or that high school musical story where I played sports my whole life. And it wasn't until late into high school that I began singing, acting or dancing. I got concussed out of football. I, ha I would have needed elbow surgery if I continued playing baseball. And all of that happened in about four months time. So I went from having everything to do to having absolutely nothing to do. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And my sister's friend came over one day and she said, Hey, we need a guy to help lift some girls in this Christmas show. You want to do it? And I said, well, <laughs> I've got nothing else going on. So why not? Let's do it. And everything kind of snowballed there. I mean, that to make a really long story very short, I fell in love with the arts. I started singing in choirs and 
realized I could sing. And then that led into mascotting at the University of Montana, which then led into going to the Boston Conservatory for musical theater and then moving to New York. And then from there, the professional career just took off and I went all over this way and that. But that's a the really short, abridged story of me getting into this industry. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. And, you know, it's very unfortunate that it's true when you play sports, it's like, how much can you go further with it? And, you know, is it okay, I guess the season's over? Cool. Like, do you keep going? Do you not? It's, and especially at that level, especially uh, with college or university, it's, it gets more intense. And then, you've got so much to balance out. So thank you for sharing that because I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's so funny. You said, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people play sports, right? It's mm -hmm. a very popular thing to do. And it is so difficult. Yes. And your percentage chance of actually being a professional sportsman is oh so God. low. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yet we glorify the sportsmen in in USA, Canada, and a lot of the you know first world countries, a lot of the places in the entire world really does. But your percentage of making it is so, so, so low. But everyone is totally keen for someone putting all their eggs into the, ba the baseball basket or the football basket mm -hmm. or the basketball basket, right? With entertainment, I would say that your probability of succeeding and be making a professional career out of it is actually much higher than being a professional sportsman and it's crazy to me that a lot of people simply never consider it and they would be brilliant especially a lot of very athletic people mm -hmm. uh, could be incredible dancers but it's just not something that is part of our cultures in a lot of ways so a lot of mm -hmm. people put their energies elsewhere yeah i could definitely see that and i used to play sports a lot in elementary school because you know, as myself being dyslexic and having a learning disability, it's like, I'm going to gravitate to sports to kind of just, you know, make school yeah. somewhat fun. And I did every single sport. I think I was in um, three events at track and fields, which was your max. I was in soccer. I was in uh, volleyball. I was in pretty much practically anything. And and basketball was one of my favorites, soccer too, volleyball, of course, all the major ones in track. And you you start to think as you get older, is this something that I wanted to do? And I remember signing up and registering with the women's um, soccer team, Arsenal, because at the mm -hmm. time you were able to submit your application when you were, I think, with, was 14 or 13. And you had to do like the pre-interview stuff, the pre-registration to see if you can qualify. And the only thing is, of course, my parents would not let me leave the house at any time. So it was like it could be impossible to even leave the country to pursue a career in soccer. And it was... It, you know, you start to think and then your parents are kind of giving you the advice like, you know, it's such a slim chance to get in. Like, why would you want to do that? Like, it's just like you're just going to waste time and you get that 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 feedback from your own parents still when you're just like, well, I guess I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I'm a big advocate of just doing things and that's how, how I've always been with my parents. Whatever I've wanted to do, my parents at this point, I'm like, I'm going to go do this. So they go, all right, because basically they can share their opinion, but I've always just done what I'm going to do. Um, and there's got to be something that you 
said about that. If you really, really, truly feel passionate about doing something, you say, yeah, this is what I need to be doing in life. I think you need to take that leap and just say, throw caution to the wind, make it happen for yourself and go get it. Yeah. And I see, I understand your point of view with that. And my parents always raised me to try new things. And I've done so much think, thank you, thanking them. So, like, it's incredible how much I've done and I've tried. And at least this way I can leave this earth without saying, well, what if, or I regret not doing this. But exactly. for them, it was more of the realistic thing. It's like, is it realistic for you to just leave everything, be at a campus by yourself in a different country and, and playing soccer? Like, are you ever going to make it? Women's soccer wasn't that even that big at the time. Right. And, you know, it was just like, are, like, how are you going to support yourself? So, yeah, at that age, at 12, 11, 11, 12 it wasn't realistic. Right. But they always said, well, you can still play. You can still do what you have to do, but school is a priority, of course, but you can try different things, right? So there is that realistic where you have to lay it out on the table and see if it's actually worth it. And then there's the other side of things of like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can pursue this, right? So, but during sure. your during your journey as an entertainer, have you ever felt like, you know, you couldn't make it or you couldn't do it. What were your downs through your journey? Yeah, this career has outrageous amounts of self-doubt for sure, because the very nature of it is pretty brutal because when you go into these audition rooms, it's not like you're filling out an application and then submitting it and then people ask if they want to see you and then you go have a chat with someone. You show up to auditions with hundreds of other people, and you have to put everything out on the line in that audition. Physically, emotionally, everything. You might get down to the very last thing, and you, last couple of people, you think you are going to book a job, and they go, no, nope, you're done. And you're like, oh, it's emotionally gut-wrenching, and it's such a roller coaster, and you have to figure that out. And that's simply the nature of the career. But that has happened to me ugh, more times than I honestly could count. And I think anyone that's been in this career a long time would say the same thing, but it's something you just simply cannot dwell on. You have to keep moving forward. You go, all right, I can have my little pity party for about 20 seconds, and then I need to pull it together and get ready to do it again, because that's the reality, because you have to be just as on and just as present and fresh for that next audition if you want to be taken seriously, if you're going to have any hopes of booking it. So the ups and downs have been literally through my entire crew. When I first went to Boston and I chose, okay, I'm going to go to Boston, but I'm going to get into loads of student debt. Uh, but I said, you know what? I can do this. It'll be okay. The training will be what I need. Maybe I have different opinions about that now, but these are the decisions I made at the time and I'm in full ownership of them. And then you move to New York, and that is a crazy city to be in. It's an outrageously expensive city to live in on top of trying to continue training and staying on top of your craft and then working jobs, but then trying to fit in, fit in auditions for shows so you can go do what you're truly passionate about to being on stage and getting bad reviews and thinking you had a really good show and then someone doesn't and shares it publicly. That's not cool, and it makes you feel awful. So it's this crazy roller coaster throughout your entire life and moving to new markets and 
figuring out how to start your life over from scratch multiple times is hard to do because you know you're going to struggle for a little bit knowing that you're putting yourself somewhere that is more suited for what you're trying to accomplish. But you got to take those leaps again and again and again. And it's constantly going up and down for us. I totally agree with you. We have to take those leaps and that's what I've done in my life. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that, but what kept you going? What was that? Was it that little voice in your head that you're just like, no, Dade, we have to do this. We have to keep going. Look how far we've come. We need to keep going. Or was it something that you listened to or read, or was it someone that you met along the way that kind of gave you that, you know, wisdom, that piece of advice? That's a hard question to answer because it can go a lot of ways. I think primarily it is that I am most happiest when I am pursuing something that I love. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not happy. So I think that's what drives me is always creating, always doing something that inspires me, that drives me forward. That's what keeps me motivated, keeps me going every single day, day in and day out. I would like to say, you know, it'd be nice to say maybe to go, look, I've already invested all this money. The logical reason maybe would be <laughs> I've invested all this money. I've trained for so many years. I've done all these different shows and had all these different accomplishments and they're great. But at the end of the day, that's all just part of the part of the journey. As much as I love all those little peaks that you get to experience through your life, that show or that experience, it's really the journey of getting there and doing it that is the enjoyable part. And that's why I keep doing it. That's amazing. I love that. I really love that because, you know, a lot of us go through these emotions, no matter what career we're in and no matter what decisions we make in life and whatever goals we're trying to accomplish, it's always so hard for a lot of us to think, Am I going to do this? You're having doubts. You're having this guilt. You're just like, am I sacrificing this for the right reasons? And it's kind of hard to collect those emotions and kind of just say, yes, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to need. I need to just, you know, look at my why, you know, get a little bit of my goals in there and say, this is what I need to accomplish. For sure. And that is not to say that everything that I've done and all the decisions I've made and the situations I've put myself into have been these cheery little rainbow colored adventures. There's been a lot of things that have been very difficult and you put yourself forward and you go, this is going to be hard. I'm going to have to work real hard if I want to make this thing happen for myself. And that's okay because you know you can do it. It's not about all the little things that are a bit frustrating that are going to be so much hard work my vision is always bigger than that. So doing those things doesn't bother me. You know, getting up, training, doing whatever it is I need to do or whatever project that I'm working on at the moment, I know or I have an idea of what it's going to take to get it to where I want it to be. So it's all of that. All of the work is kind of irrelevant because I know where I'm trying to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really like that. I really like to hear your point of view through all of this. And what is a, a good piece of advice that you can tell somebody who's in this industry and is either in it or starting and kind of contemplating like, oh, the what ifs? 
Yeah, for sure. Look, you're never going to run out of what ifs. So mm -hmm. try not to concentrate on them too much and concentrate and focus on the things that you can control. But my number one piece of advice for anyone aspiring to be in this entertainment industry, whether it's on the back end side, on the performer side, whatever, or even if you're kind of in your career and you're like, okay, well, now what do I do? What you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to think really clearly about what do you want out of your entertainment career? What do you want? Because it's different for everybody. So for instance, do you want to be on Broadway? Do you want to do film and TV? Do you want to be a model? Do you want to be in stage management? Depending on your comfortability with risk, do you want to just freelance and have no guarantee of any kind of income? Or do you need some security? Do you need that W-2 job and be an employee and maybe some healthcare paid for in a 401k? Do you need that? There's not a wrong answer, but the more of those types of questions that you can answer for yourself, the higher probability you have of placing yourself in the correct market for you. And by market, I mean New York City, LA, Las Vegas, Seattle, Dubai, wherever it might be in the world. Place yourself in the market because every market has something different to offer and it's slightly, slightly different from all the other ones. Then, by also answering those questions, you'll know what you want to do or what you should be doing in that market. Some people want to tell really emotional, gripping, life-changing stories and want to do plays and straight theater and musical theater. Other people simply want to entertain, just do production shows. So maybe cruise ships or theme parks are really great for you. Who knows? People want to be movie stars. It's so depending on what it is you want and the type of work you really find would be fulfilling for you, that's how you figure out what you want to do and then also the type of market that's going to support that. And when you get clear on that, you have a much higher probability of, like I said, putting yourself in that right market, doing the right kinds of things that are only for you, not for anybody else, for you. And when you do that, you become more attractive. And, and I'm not talking about just how good looking you might be. I'm talking about your energy, you as a person, your passion, what you bring to the table every time you go into that room. That's what people see. That makes you more attractive. That makes you more bookable. And that ultimately makes you more successful. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> You're giving me some inspiration and kind of just taking that and trying to implement it in what I'm doing now. So I really appreciate that advice. Oh my gosh. But Dane, what are you doing now? Yeah. So COVID is a real thing, right? So it, uh, mm -hmm. it has affected all of us. And with that, the entertainment industry essentially as a whole is flatlined. There's a little bit of TV film stuff going on, but mm, the live theater scene gone for the moment. And that's okay. It's been a really wonderful time for introspection and to reset and figure out, hey, what is it we want to do? And there's a lot of great things that are happening in the theater world as far as the, digit the digitization, that's a tough word, of this industry. And it's really cool to see what people are coming out with. But 
the big thing that I've been concentrating on is my podcast. I launched it at the middle slash end of June of this year, but I do a podcast every day and I believe episode 104 or 5 came out today. So I've been cranking them out, but I'm that is really taking all of my time at the moment and it's been fantastic. It's been something that I knew I was going to have fun doing, but I didn't realize I was going to have as much fun as I'm having doing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can agree with you. It's I publish an episode Monday to Friday and it's a lot of work, yeah. but it's so much fun. Like it's I cannot believe how much enjoyment I get from it. And, you know, some people ask me, like, are you ever going to cut down? And because I do have opportunities coming up, which it's not set in stone yet because we're trying to find, you know, the logistics to it. But, you know, if I do become another co-host on another podcast, what's going to happen with this podcast? And, you know, I always thought, well, if I've created this routine and how how I've created this consistency for the past couple, couple months, um, almost a year actually publishing five episodes a week, then, you know, I don't think it will change much when I'm not doing so much work on the other podcast, for example. So, but it's so much fun. It's like therapeutic because once I hear these episodes again and they're ready to be edited and published again, it's like, wow, what a conversation I had with this person. And then I do write notes and I do keep the names to the side where I can say, you know what, I want to invite this person back next year and then we can figure out a topic that's different or maybe elaborate more of what we spoke. So it's so therapeutic for me. Yeah, I would agree. It's so much fun to have, especially now when we are social distance to the max and we don't get the opportunity to interact with a lot of people like we used to. It's so great to have people to chat with every single day and interesting people to chat with every day. Yeah, I definitely agree. So many great people with different journeys and their stories. It's just, it feels me. It really does feel me. And a lot of people just like, well, how, like, how can you just put in the time and I said you just create this routine you you have that consistency and you built on it and you just keep going it comes to it comes natural to you sure. and you utilize your time you learn how to schedule all this stuff because yeah it's not easy trying to pump out five episodes a week but some of these episodes have already been done a couple weeks back you just have to get them ready and all you have to do is pop them into the system well for me it's like that and then you schedule them in and that's it you don't have to worry about it yeah exactly right i think uh currently i run in the neighborhood of 20 days ahead of schedule uh with my Mm -hmm. recordings and it makes it fairly stress-free if i need to take a few days and not record and that's fine but don't get me wrong there was a learning curve (laughs) you start it and you're working so hard and but Mm -hmm. the thing is you create your systems You figure out how to make it efficient and make it work for you. And I think that's really just a metaphor for all of life, isn't it? That you just got to jump in, do it, fall on your face, figure it out, learn from it, optimize, and then keep doing it. And then you get better. And the next thing you know, this crazy thing that you tried to do is suddenly pretty easy or almost self-running. Yeah, exactly right. (laughs) I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. It tends to happen that way. And, you know, everything just falls into place. You just, I felt like at the beginning, we were just like trying to navigate. I I was doing one episode a week and then I did, 
actually started one episode a month, then one episode every two weeks. And it just kept growing and growing because then you're starting to find like, how do I make this work? How do I create the schedule? But then after almost two years into this, you're just like, I got it. I got a handle of it. And, you know, it's very awesome when you've got other podcasters asking you the questions and saying, hey, how did you increase your following? How did you increase your audience? Like, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? And you know what's funny? It's like most of my, I I don't know what they were, were expecting from my answers, but it's one of those things where it's just, you gotta be consistent or, you know, just put out content. If it doesn't matter if it's not about the numbers, it's more of, you creating that content, providing what you want for your audience, for them to keep listening back. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing. If you're always chasing numbers, if you're always chasing the applause, if you will, to be mm-hmm. on on topic a bit, it's, it's not a way to sustain anything. Mm-hmm. You have to do it for you in a lot of ways. And it has to be something that's inspiring to you. And the praise and the applause comes and the numbers come, but you have to be consistent. I mean, look at everyone wants to be a YouTuber right now, right? Oh, yes. Everyone, but you and there's not to say that that's not a great thing to be, but also understand that some of these people that have these 10, 12 plus million uh, subscriber accounts, they've been doing this since 2009. Banging out videos again and again and again. And it's really only the last handful of years that they've really exploded. So it's easy to look at the success and be like, oh, look, they just make videos. I want to do that. And sure, you might want to do that. But also understand that if it wasn't their love for what they were doing, if they're chasing subscribers all the time, they wouldn't get to where they're at today because they, they would have quit. It's so true. I definitely agree with you. And I always try to focus on that because I do run a podcast community with my co-host. And the biggest thing where people were asking at the beginning was, how about my numbers and how about my numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers. And I said, you know, I may have reached this many downloads within two years, but it's not about that. You got to think about the bigger picture and the message you want to send. And of course, coming with numbers, people ask about sponsorships and stuff. And, you know, to me, I'm running a podcast without sponsorship unless I'm helping a small business promote their small business, but I'm not charging right. anything for them because, again, I want to give back to the community. And it's, you know, you can't think about the money. You really got to focus on, again, it comes back to content and the quality that you want to produce so people can say, wow, I really like this podcast and keep listening to it. Yeah, for sure. The content has to come first and you have to put the value out and really good value. And look, if you want to monetize anything, yes, then some analytics do count. That's a real thing as Mm -hmm. well. You can't completely discount the numbers, but there's a difference between not discounting the numbers and then chasing the numbers and relying on the numbers for your justification and your fulfillment in what it is that you're doing. Yes, sponsors need numbers. That's sim- it's when you get into the money world, they need that. But yeah. That is not what you should be that should not be your driving motivating factor. Mm-hmm. It should be providing the story you're telling, the story you're providing the value that you're trying to do. Mhm. Definitely agree. 
I really like this information and definitely giving your opinion and feedback and advice with the podcasting world because a lot of people don't know it is a lot of work but you learn how to make it work just like when you get a job that was unexpected but you need it you make it work and you learn from that so I definitely appreciate you uh, giving this advice my pleasure now what else are you up to Dane during this pandemic oh Besides the besides the podcast, it is just hanging with me, my wife, and my little girl who turns four next month, which is mind blowing. <laughs> and that's basically it. Well, you know, go ahead. No, that's everything. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say, well, at least you're having that extra time to spend with family and be able to kind of wind down a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really quite a blessing in disguise, to be fair, because for the past decade plus, life has been a hustle, a grind, a beautiful one, a fun one, crazy at times, but it's been a hustle. And it is nice to take a breather for a second. You know, there's nothing regular about my lifestyle or my my wife and I's lifestyle because she's also an entertainer. She's a dancer and mm -hmm. we live a crazy life as far as most people would consider is the ups and downs and working millions of different jobs, flying here, flying there. It's what it is, but it's exciting to us and it keeps things fresh and new. But at the same time, it does get exhausting, but you also didn't really realize how exhausted you were because <laughs> it became what you did. So mm -hmm. this is a very welcomed break in the pattern of life, mm -hmm. but we're also looking forward to things coming back a bit and getting back into that. But I think when we do, it's going to be from a place that has a bit more gratitude for the work that we do get to do. And I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And what has the pandemic taught you? Oh, <laughs> the pandemic has taught me that I am 100% capable of creating my own art. I've always known that. I've always created my own things. But in a lot of ways, I feel like I externalized too much of my success in the sense that if I got that show or if I got that gig or if you get to work with that person, that that is what is exciting. But that's or that's where you find the justification of the fulfillment, but that's not really it at all. It's, it's a nice perk for sure. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to have those big projects, but knowing that you yourself are in control of your art or your life and to really, you get to choose how you want to feel and be every day, especially in a world where most people right now, especially, well, especially in the entertainment industry, don't really have a lot to do. And to still find fulfillment in life is a massive thing that so many people simply never get the opportunity to even practice. But I think it's massively important to be able to find fulfillment within yourself. And I think that has been the biggest lesson. Wow. Yeah, I, I can, I can see that. And especially in this, in your industry, you know, 
it's a lot of creative minds and a lot of creative people who are just trying to navigate and see how they can adapt to this. And, you know, I've met a couple of them in the past com past uh, weeks where they've been utilizing this time to write and to get their scripts out and try to advance in that because once everything slowly goes back to normal, then it picks up again for them and it gets busy. And then that script that they always wanted to write, at least this way they've got it, they can ask for advice or pitch it out, whatever it is. So, you know, thank you for sharing. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And on that creation part, there is so much stuff being created right now. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. The writers, the composers of the world are creating at lightning speed. It's amazing. There's going to be so much great content that comes from this. On my show the other day, I had Ben Simpson on. He is a two-time Tony award-winning producer. Wow. And, and he's young. He's like 31, something like this. And he was saying... Look, before the pandemic, things were crazy. I had enough time in the day to get the things that needed to be handled in the day done. And that's it. But now, everything's paused. Now he has the time to read those scripts from the playwrights, to listen to the music from the composers that are not really known yet. They've got great content, but it's hard to break through to the people that make the decisions on whether or not to produce your show if they don't have the time to read or listen to your content. Mm -hmm. But now all of these producers and that's just not broadway this is this is everywhere mm -hmm. in the entire industry people have the time to find these gems that have just been sitting under the surface waiting to be read it's going to be an amazing time i believe when everything comes back i definitely agree and there's going to be more opportunities for everybody especially those in the industry um they're able to you know, get onto some projects that they never thought or they could. It's it's going to be fantastic. And I see that the time that they're putting into creating, reviewing and putting pieces together. It's this is like this is like, wow, you know, I wish I had this time. But you don't because you're always working on multiple projects, depending what you do in the industry. Yes. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And I can see that a lot of good movies are going to come out, a lot of good shows, sitcoms, uh, Broadway shows, you name it. Like this is going to be like really awesome once things slowly go back to normal, which I hope it does. And I know it's an, a constant battle and, you know, trying to do everyone doing their part to stop the spread. Like they say here in Canada, we got to stop the spread. Like it's stop the spread. That's like the quote, stop the spread. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dane, I really appreciate all your time and where can the listeners find you? Yeah. Well, Angelica, thank you so much for having me on today. It's been so great to be here. And yeah, if you want to come check me out, I am literally all over the interwebs <laughs> you can check me out personally on instagram it's probably the easiest because that's what most people are using and it's at the dane reese or if you want to check out the podcast go to at you booked it podcast you can also go to you booked and of course the podcast is available quite literally anywhere you can listen <laughs> to podcasts just search for it and you will find it Awesome. Well, to all my listeners, everything is going to be in the show notes for you. Don't forget to check out that amazing podcast. And thank you, Dane, once again for joining me. And that's all we have for now. 
This is Michelle Miller from Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet podcast. Hey, it's your boy Bromar, host of the Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queenpin from the CQP Moments podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Ken, a.k.a. The Gentleman of the Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And you are listening to A Little little Bit bit of Everything with Angelica. Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me, 